Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today's no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Pasadena, California. Welcome to the show, Anne Emma Grande. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. So Anne, you've been investing in real estate for quite some time now, but for the listeners who don't know you, why don't you give a little bit of your backstory and how you got into this crazy world of investing? Yeah, of course. So I come from a long line of entrepreneurs and I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but never really knew what I wanted to do. And when I was still in my corporate job many years ago, I had a friend of mine that approached me and said, Hey, I'm doing some flipping. I think that your skill set from logistics and operations would be a great asset. And I think we should partner up and do some flips together. So that was originally how I got into real estate investing. Just as many people do, they start with flipping and then they really find what their niche is going to be, whether it be wholesaling, flipping, buy and hold, whatever the case may be. This is what really transitioned me into my real estate investing career. And eventually we decided to move more into the buy and hold section. And I completely left my career in, in the corporate world and moved solely into real estate investing. It was very difficult. I'm sure that there are a lot of your listeners that have that same story, which, you know, that, that transition from going from, you know, having a steady paycheck to having that unease of not really sure where that where that next check is going to come from was very difficult, but it was so rewarding. I love that. One of the things you talk about is the distinction between crockpot investing versus microwave investing. Yes. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I absolutely love those articles that I wrote. Um, they're, they really are the epitome of, of everything that we that we focus on as investors. And Microwave investing is very much the short solution. And there are so many people that want to throw their real estate into the microwave and they think it's a simple and a quick fix where you, it's just like making dinner, right? We want to throw chicken nuggets into the microwave, but is it really going to be as good as if you had made your own chicken nuggets, right? If you make your own chicken tenders and you fry your own chicken, I mean, it's always going to be better homemade than it is going to be, you know, this cookie cutter version where you throw it in the microwave and it's, you think that it's going to be just as good. So crockpot investing is really what we focus on on the buy and hold side. And so what we focus on is, you know, allowing it to sit and percolate, right? We throw all of our, all of our chicken, we throw all of our ingredients in there, and then we let it sit and wait. And it's always going to turn out so much better than if we had thrown something into the microwave and, you know, thrown, thrown the Campbell's soup into the microwave. It's, it's never going to be as good as if you made your own homemade chicken noodle soup. And so that's really the distinction that we try to make with those, with those distinctions between crockpot investing, which is, you know, you let it sit and wait, just like the Rockefellers, just like we hear Warren Buffett, we talk about buy and hold, we talk about holding assets and holding them for the long term. And ultimately, you, you obtain more wealth by having buy and hold assets and, and holding your assets for the long term versus trying to do quick flips and trying to do these these short-term versions. That resonates really, really strongly with me. And, and we see it very often. It's one of the easiest things to do is to go acquire property and close on it quickly with short-term bridge financing. Six months, a year later, now you've got to figure out what are you going to do next? Are you exactly. going to get it into permanent financing? Maybe it's a mini perm, maybe it's a five-year note, whatever it might be. 
But often that second refinance ends up being a point of stress for a lot of investors. And I wonder if that factors at all into your microwave versus crockpot. Absolutely. So what what I always ask when I when I talk with individuals that flip or individuals that wholesale, I always ask them what their long-term plan is. Because flipping as as it's so easy to get caught up in the in the large checks. So every every three months, if you can get a if you can get a property flipped in three months, you get this large multiples of, of ten thousand thousands of dollars in in revenue. And a lot of people get stuck in that cycle of man, I loved that twenty or that thirty or that fifty thousand dollar check. And it's just a it's just a one time solution. Now you have to figure out great now what's next. Now with buy and hold though, what we focus on is more of the cash flow. And when we can focus on getting getting that cash flow, yes, it's going to be a smaller amounts, but when you have that forever, ultimately it's going to be so much more beneficial because you can actually retire off of the cash flow. You can't retire off of flipping. You need to reinvest those dollars into something that's going to create a monthly income and a monthly distribution for you. And so this is really the distinction that we try to make between between crockpot investing and microwave investing. Microwave investing, yes, it's a short-term solution, but what we want to do is we want to create an environment where your money continues to work for you rather than you working for your money. So what are some of the other strategies that you're employing right now in the marketplace? Where are you seeing the most need and what is the product and asset class that's best to fulfill that need? That's a great question. A lot of I get this a lot. So we actually focus on single family. And more specifically within single family, we focus on lease options instead of doing a direct buy and hold or a direct rental. And the reason that we do this is a, a, a couple of different reasons. So the first reason is we find that it is so much more profitable to do a lease option because our tenants typically stay and pay longer than a traditional rental. So a majority of our properties are in Arizona. And in Arizona, what we have found is that if you do a traditional rental, most often, more often than not, your residents are only staying about 12 months and then they move on to a new home. And what this creates is, number one, it creates a vacancy for a period of time. could be a month. It could be a few weeks. It could be a couple of months, depending on the season. Um, secondly, you have turnover costs. So now you need to go in and paint. You need to do a whole bunch of renovation for the next residence. So now you have a lot of added costs, which really is eating into all of the profits that you made over the last year. So depending on how well you bought, you may be getting somewhere between $300 and $700 in cash flow. But at the end of the month or two month of vacancy and the added cost of doing the renovations to get a new resident in, all of your profits have been eaten up. And this is something that, that is systemic within the, rental, within the rental industry. What we do is we actually have transitioned. We are helping individuals to become homeowners. Now, this is the American dream. You know, a lot of, a lot of families came here decades ago with a dream of becoming a homeowner, having, having a better life for their family. One of those things is having permanent housing, right? Owning your own home, owning an asset. And in, in many countries of the world, this is not possible. And so what we're doing is we are helping people to live through that American dream. And especially in 2008, when you know, a, lot of, a lot of individuals started to lose their homes to foreclosure, not necessarily for any reason other than the fact that they were put into bad mortgages. It's not necessarily their fault because they were given promises of, of these things changing. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to get them back to, that, to the vision that they originally had for their family, which is stability and security for their family. 
So through lease option, we're able to a create more profitability, but also we're actually bringing up the entire economy because we're helping these individuals transition from a rental into into home ownership. I love lease options as a strategy. In fact, early on in my real estate investing career, I did a bunch of them and then made the decision to step back from it. And, it was, and I made that decision for a simple reason. It had to do with the fact that, you know, you're going to buy a property today. It's going to have some amount of market value and you're going to write a contract that might be three years out, five years out for the the buyer to buy the property at that point in time. Mm-hmm. But it's a projection of what the property is going to be worth at that point. We yes. have a tendency to write the contract so that everything is upwards and to the right. But if it doesn't appraise at that value in three years or five years time, it doesn't matter what you wrote in the contract because the lender is not going to lend against it. Correct. And so I found that part of it to be a little bit speculative and realized, wait a minute, what we're doing here is a little bit dangerous because we're relying on the market going up and that's not something we control. What are your thoughts on that? How do you, how do you protect against that? I think that's an, an amazing question. So what we do is I, I've actually, my background is in economics. And what we've, what we've done is we've created an algorithm that helps us to determine what we believe the price to be within that period of time. So we do lease options anywhere from five to 15 years. So we want to give the residents the best opportunity for themselves and for their family. And I always put the price into the option for a very specific reason. Number one, this allows us to have a little bit more control over the, over the variances in the market. So when we put the, the amounts in the option, now when we all know that you make your profit on the buy, so it's all about how well you purchase the property. Exactly, so what yeah. we do is with our experience within, within buying as flippers, what we were able to do is we actually still utilize the same techniques to acquire our rental properties. So that's number one. So we're actually buying for value up front. We put in a very specified amount and we're very specific as to what we, well, we've actually coined a phrase called rentivate. So instead of doing traditional renovation, we're doing a rentivation. So when we do rentivation, it's much lower cost because we're putting individuals in under a rental versus trying to flip the property in the short term for a profit. So in doing so, we actually are able to mitigate a large percentage of our costs up front. And by buying for value, we actually are able to create an equity spread at the beginning. So this allows for variances in the market. If the market goes down, we're not losing our initial investment into the property. That's number one. So it creates some safety and security for our investors on that side. But also this allows for us to utilize the, the equity in that, in that home currently. And when we put the option price out for five, seven, or 10 years, let's just say that we have a property, and this is a real world example, we bought a property for $150,000. Um, we put about $10,000 worth of work in. So we're, our all-in cost is $160,000. And we did a lease option for two ninety eight dollars because that property was currently valued when we purchased it at $220,000. So we did a seven-year option for two ninety eight. dollars Let's say in five years, they come back to us and, or the resident comes back and says, okay, we're now ready to purchase the home. And we get the appraisal and it comes back at two seventy five. dollars now, when I go back to our investor, and this is why we, we work specific with investors versus creating a fund for individuals to, to work in. We want our investors to have a say in their investment. And so we build individual portfolios for each of our investors. And what we do is we would basically go back to the investor and say, hey, you know, the individual has been paying for the last five years. They paid on time. They're a great resident. Um, the appraisal came back, and it doesn't appraise for the 298, but it appraises for 275. 
Now it goes back to the old adage of, you know, one in the hand is worth two in the bush. So then we go to the investor and say, hey, we're going to let this be your decision. Do you want to sell it at 275? Granted, we our total all-in cost was 160. Do we want to sell it for 275, or do we want to let the let the resident know that they still have two years left on their on their option? Well, the market may go up, it may go down. So then it becomes what is good for the investor. What's good for the investor is good for us. And so this allows for our investor to have a little more control, have a little bit more transparency into what is going on with each of their property investments. And so this will, in many cases, our investors are like, hey, if we if we sell it for the 275, we can go on 1031 exchange that into a few more properties. And then we have rental income on multiple properties rather than this one, which is what a lot of our investors end up doing because this allows for them to you know, still, still have a reduction of their, of their taxes because we don't have any capital gains at that point. We can go out and buy you know, two to three additional properties with that. And our, our resident is able to acquire the home. Okay, that makes an awful lot of sense. So if, if folks want to learn a little bit more and they want to get in touch, what's the best way? Yeah, best way is to uh, usually connect with me on LinkedIn. So it's Anne Amagrande. You can also find me on our website, which is amagrande.com. It's A-M-A-G-R-A-N-D-E.com. Or you can reach me at my email, which is Anne at amagrande.com. I love it. Well, for the listeners at home, hope you found this interesting. Uh, lease options are a great way to make money. That's a very predictable way to make money where you've got tenants that certainly feel a sense of ownership in the property because they've been making investments in the down payment over the life of their tenancy. And it's a great, great way to make an investment with stable cash flow. So definitely reach out to Anne at amagrande.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.